Hi, and welcome to this new episode of uh, Reflections of a Mindfulness Teacher. And today I'm here with my coffee, and it's going to be a little bit of an experiment. It's true that I'm a mindfulness teacher, but I have many other interests. I read many different books uh, on uh, different topics, and uh, I, I really want to share with you not just things related to mindfulness, but also interesting things that I read about and that I practice, things that make my life more interesting and easier and more beautiful. So the first thing that I would like to, to share with you is um, a book that I just finished to, to read it yesterday night, and I just love this book. It's called Skin in the Game by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And uh, I, I've, of course, I can't make a review of, uh, of this book here. It's, uh, it's an amazing read. So I really encourage you to, to pick it up. But one of the things that uh, most uh, impacted me is uh, what Taleb calls the silver rule. You probably are familiar with the golden rule. At least for me, uh, I've been raised as a Roman Catholic uh, uh, Christian. So I know about the golden rule. Do to others, like treat others the way you want to be treated. And this is also how I behave you know, normally with other people. I treat them in a nice way because I want to be treated nicely. And also I teach mindfulness because... I would like to receive this kind of information and knowledge. But Taleb points out how this rule is not really actually robust and safe. This can actually bring certain people to act in a way that is actually not nice. Because what you are doing here, you're introducing action. It's like, okay, I want to be treated in a certain way, so I'm going to treat people in this way. But maybe they don't want to be treated in the way you want to be treated, right? Do to others what you want to be done onto you. So the silver rule is actually, I think, smarter, is don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So it's a negation of action. It's inaction. For example, I don't want people to hurt me, so I'm not going to hurt people. I don't want people to tell me what to do, so I'm not going to tell people what to do either. As you can see, it's kind of like more robust in the sense that it doesn't tell you to act on people. It just tells you, okay, don't do things that you don't want to be done onto you. It's more just, and I think it's more robust. I, I really like it. I really like this rule, and uh, I can see how I've been, let's say, I've been used the golden rule a little bit in the way that Taleb uh, discourages us to, to do. I've been doing to others, for example, I've been telling them what to do with uh, learning mindfulness, but maybe this is not what they needed, this is not what they wanted. And sometimes it's really better to simply don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. It's more safe, you're not introducing into the, you know, in the relationship uh, additional um, dynamics, additional actions, simply avoiding the obvious. Don't hurt them. Don't do onto them what you don't want them to do onto you. I just love this rule. And pick up the, the book from, from Taleb, check it out, Skin in the Game. Nassim Nicholas Taleb is the author. Now, another book that I'm really looking forward to read, so I didn't read it yet, but I've heard 
of this book uh, already, I think, a couple of years ago, and I finally ordered it, is The Diving Bell and the Butterfly by Jean-Dominique Bobby. And uh, it's a book that talks about the story of uh, Jean-Dominique. He was, was truly a hero- an heroic figure. He suffered of, uh, if I remember correctly, of a stroke uh, in the brain, and uh, he had what is called locked-in syndrome. He couldn't move, like nothing, but he was conscious. He could uh, think, he could uh, hear sounds, he could absolutely receive all the information from the outside world, even pain, but he couldn't speak, he couldn't communicate. And for a while, people didn't realize that he was awake, he was conscious. And he wrote a book in this state, blinking through one eye. It was the only thing that he, he could move, or one of the few things. So I'm really looking forward to reading this book. Not because I like, you know, reading dramatic stories. It's mostly because by reading the account of people that endured really difficult situations, especially people that endured difficult situations in a heroic manner. It's a way for me first to appreciate how lucky I have been up until now. I didn't suffer of locked-in syndrome. So I can appreciate how lucky I am that I can speak, I can move, I can drink my coffee, that it's here, really nice, I like it. But also, I can in a certain way, see how the human spirit is strong and how we can face difficult situations with a smile even on our face, being brave. So in a certain way, it's kind of like preparing for battle. You don't know if it's you know coming, but you still do push-ups and crunches and you prepare to be ready. So I'm looking forward to reading this book. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly by Jean-Dominique Bobby. I'm going to keep you posted. Next, uh, yesterday, uh, yeah, it was a really, uh, it was a day full of events yesterday. Yesterday, we, uh, me and my wife, we finished watching um, Chernobyl. We waited this long. We wanted to be, you know, psychologically ready to, to watch it. The TV series, um, I think it's British. It's this collaboration between... Uh, uh, the United States and the UK uh, between uh, HBO and Sky. They did this TV series that you probably know about the uh, events in Chernobyl when the reactor exploded. And boy, oh boy, yeah, it's uh, it's a big one. It's it's really dramatic, and uh, to be honest, I even like, I cried a couple of times. And. It's interesting how I had this thought, and I, I have a feeling that it's kind of deep, so I'm not sure. Tell, tell me what you think about this. It's interesting how they could explain convincingly the way the reactor exploded. So it's interesting how you can tell how things got destroyed and ruined, how things changed. But it's interesting how you can't back engineer an exploded core. So once the core exploded and all the pieces are on the ground and there is this mess, yeah, you can explain how that happened, 
But it's interesting how the knowledge of that doesn't allow you to bring it back together. The only thing that you can do is, okay, to contain it or maybe to just destroy everything down and build a new reactor, but you can't bring the pieces together back again. And that's really fascinating to me. It's kind of like, yeah, only because we can explain how a really complex system uh, got in the configuration in which it is now, it doesn't mean that we can back-engineer it to a previous state. And it's, I don't know, it feels kind of deep to me, and um, I think it's applicable in many things. It's like, yeah, maybe you know how your business failed, but does it mean that you can back-engineer it with this knowledge? No, you can't go back to a previous state, or maybe... Yeah, you can explain how your relationship with someone that you love got ruined. But does it mean that that knowledge allows you to bring it back to a previous state? No. It allows you maybe to prevent further damage or future uh, situations like these. Yeah, that's really important to know how things work, but you can't bring it back. In a certain way, I can know how... <laughs> My body dies and uh, a person dies, like how the brain stops functioning and the organs shut down. Does it mean that with this knowledge I can bring the person back to life? Not really. I don't know. It sounds kind of interesting as a thought and uh, I think I will just let it, you know, soak and see what happens with it. Next, uh, another big thing now in this... Uh, period of the year is the mm, shadow, you know, looming shadow of a possible second lockdown. Um, now it's uh, the beginning of uh, October and uh, there are more and more, more cases around the world of uh, COVID-19. And the only thing that I keep coming back to is to this thought that I need to start living like this is not going away. Because I look around me and I see how people just, you know, don't want this thing to, to be here. They don't want the COVID situation to be here. And they hope that it's going to disappear, to go away. But I don't know, to me, it feels kind of like not accepting how things are right now. And I think it's actually wiser to be prepared for the long run. I mean, if I buy more food, to keep at home and I move my business more and more online, it doesn't mean that then if, you know, the COVID situation ends, it doesn't mean that I, you know, wasted, you know, time and this configuration of my work online is bad. I mean, the price to pay to be wrong, if you're wrong and this thing stays here, is really high. If you are, you know, thinking that this thing goes away and it doesn't, and you're not ready for this, then you have problems. So this is, this is kind of interesting as a thought to, you know, to, to stay with, to see how it can change maybe your behavior. So leave like this is not going away next month or this year or next year. Next. Another really big, big thing. Uh, I've been learning programming. I started this summer and uh, now I am playing around with uh, programming a calculator. It's almost ready. I just need to 
you know, squash some bugs that it has, but it's it's actually functioning. And I think I will share it soon on my social media. And it's interesting how I always thought that I'm not this kind of person, that I'm more of a, you know, humanities person. I'm not into math. I'm not into engineering and programming. This is not me. But then I realized, wait, these are just thoughts that I have about myself. These are just self-limiting beliefs. Let's try. I just want to, you know, try it. And uh, I actually really, really like it. And who knows, maybe this is going to help me navigate this uh, situation with the COVID. I can always, you know, make money if uh, I become good at this. Even if I'm locked in, in my house, I can still program and sell products. So it's a really useful skill. And I love how thanks to mindfulness, thanks to seeing clearly my thoughts, I could see that I was just limiting myself into believing that I'm not this kind of person. Oh, no, I can't do math. Oh, I can't program. Computers, ah, it's hard. No, it's, these are just thoughts. Just try and see and follow your curiosity. This is the best advice, that, uh, one of the best advices that I've ever just follow your curiosity if it doesn't hurt others or yourself follow it don't limit yourself only because you hear certain voices in your head telling you no 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 this is not for you who said that this is just a voice this is just the sound that you hear in your head and finally to conclude this more experimental episode i'm reading a lot uh, on stoicism um, uh, especially I'm, I'm reading the book Letters from a Stoic of, uh, of Seneca. It's a collection of the letters that Seneca sent to Lucilius. And uh, Seneca was, uh, back then, during the uh, time of Emperor Nero, he was the equivalent of a billionaire. He was probably the richest person on earth back then. And he was also a Stoic in uh, ancient Rome. And it's interesting how in letter 18, he talks about uh, something really, really deep for me. It really resonates with me. So he, he's writing this letter to his friend, Lucilius, and says, you know, there is the possibility to find pleasure into enjoying uh, small things and simple food, for example, even though, yeah, he's rich, know, Seneca was really rich, he would, uh, every once in a while, so that he, he wouldn't be afraid of becoming poor, he would live like a poor person. He would eat really simple bread for a week, he would sleep on the floor, and he said, after a while you find pleasure in this because you're really hungry, you're really maybe tired, and it's fine to eat this food, and it's fine to sleep on the floor, and then you go back to your normal life and life becomes amazing. Like You have the best food and you can sleep in the best bed. And not only that, the fact that you can find pleasure and enjoy small things, simple food, this is its own source of pleasure. It's kind of like I feel pleasure in finding pleasure in simple things. It's like a meta-pleasure. I feel pleasure because I can find pleasure into these small things. And he said that this meta-pleasure 
is actually really robust and uh, almost impossible to shake off. Once you know that uh, you can enjoy simple things, it makes you feel really, you know, strong and you can find enjoyment in this. So it's really interesting how Seneca kind of was a connoisseur, an expert on pleasure. He understood that if you keep eating and wanting the best food, if you want the best partners, if you want only the best spectacles and shows and performances and only the best houses, you're never satisfied. And you are on this like treadmill and it's called hedonic treadmill. You constantly adapt to what you have and you want more and you want more and you want more. On the other hand, if you go back, if you start living as a poor person and you enjoy the small food, you know, simple things, then not only once you come back, you're happy for the life that you actually have, you know, better food, better life, but also you feel pleasure because you can find pleasure in simple things. It's double the pleasure. This, this is genius. This is genius. And I hope that uh, uh, you will uh, check out uh, Seneca. He's, he's an amazing writer. He can be kind of dry and pedantic and boring, but you have to read through it. Through the lines, he's telling you how you can live an amazing life. I highly encourage you to read, uh, especially the letters to Lucilius. They're, they're just really great. So, yeah, that's it. For, for today, I think uh, I will shut up now. I will finish my coffee. And actually, let me know what you think about this format. This is different. This is not what I usually do. And uh, I, I really love it. I love to share these things with you. And... Um, I just don't know if this is uh, the, the format that you enjoy. Let me know. Let me know. You can find me on uh, on Facebook. Just uh, check uh, Giacomo Innocenti. Or you can find me on uh, Instagram at I am Giacomo. And uh, Giacomo is written with G-I-A-C-O. I am Giacomo. G-I-A-C-O. So see you in the next episode.